It's finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer. the goalposts now. Like the original one is Carl Winslow a top three TV dad. Ooh. Black TV uh, dad. Um, black TV top dad. Three. Top three black TV dad. Um well let's see. Who would be who would be number one? I told him Cliff Huxtable and Uncle Phil are one and two. Say what you want about Bill Cosby as a person. But Cliff Huxtable, the character, is pretty much the gold standard more or less. And Uncle Phil's right there with him. I would say Uncle Phil's up there. Um Cliff Huxtable, I think, is an easy number one. But I, I feel like there may, there's got to be someone. Well, uh, I guess maybe not. Julius from Everybody Hates Chris, I mentioned. Um, who else did I mention? I think you tried to throw a dude from one-on-one in here, which pissed me off. Like, <laughs> I didn't throw him in there. I said he was in the list. I didn't say I, he was See, I would think like like John Amos from Good, from Good yep, Time. That's who else sure. it was. Sure. Absolutely. And then like, you know, George Jefferson... Is probably up there, though I guess like there weren't as many episodes focusing strictly on him as a dad. So the crazy thing is that when we have this debate, like it gets so slanderous that people <laughs> like Jacob will just leave Carl Winslow completely off the list. And it could be like a list of 25. He ain't top five. No, you can't keep him <laughs> off the list completely. He's like top 15, top 20. Yeah, no. The can't. graphic you sent me, well, he, he wasn't even on the graphic. What was he? I didn't make the graphic. I got the graphic from Jeff. You supported the graphic. Let me see if I can find the graphic. You totally supported the graphic. See, what about, well, because I'm trying to think, like, every time I think of a name, I'm thinking, like, ah, uh, well, but do they beat, like, what about uh, the Colonel from A Different World? Ooh. See, I didn't even think about him. Yeah, yeah that definitely pushes Carl Winslow out the top 10. Yeah, because he was, like, prototypical, like, ultimate father figure. Okay. Uh, and then, oh, what about uh, uh, Sanford and Son? Yep. And the dad's in the name of the show. Come on. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, sister, sister, the the dad, uh, Ray. Ray. Sidebar on that. Um, I forget who I was talking to. You guys saw that they're doing the Fresh Prince reboot, not not reboot, but reunion. Yeah, and, they uh, got he, the the regular Aunt Viv back. Yeah, he reconciled with Jan Hubert, and one of my friends was like, she told me that uh, uh, the second Aunt Viv is actually married to the dad from Sister Sister. I didn't oh. know that. Oh, well, you know, Toronto didn't know that at all. It's like a couple days ago. It's a live football. Oh, yeah. Football's apparently back. You can Notre Dame, though? Like, I, yep. I can't get behind college players playing right now. And the FSU yeah. game is in weather delay because it's raining here. I am so numb to all sports. It's not Florida State's playing? Yep. Really? Their game is going on right now in a weather delay because it's storming here in Tallahassee. Well, it's That's raining with lightning. You know? Dame, I think I can only watch basketball. Yeah, and I'm struggling with that. Like one of my friends asked me the other day, he was like, you want to do fantasy? I was like, I guess I don't really plan on watching the NFL much this year. Even though I loosely cover the Jags, I was like, I struggle to even remember to watch a playoff game where before I would be tuned in for the NBA. Yeah. So I don't know if it's the pandemic, if it's all the social change going on. It's just something's not clicking in my brain where it's like, oh, there's basketball. Why aren't you watching basketball? It's true. Yeah, I mean, the playoffs, I, I do like, I have all the sports going on right now. I do think basketball has the biggest, um, I think they're doing it right. 
think they were lucky enough in the sense that they only had to do their playoffs, basically. Yeah. They yeah. did a little play. And the presentation in. looks great. The presentation looks absolutely great for what the for the situation they have. I think that's the main thing why I can watch a basketball game at least. Because I tried to watch like I think it was Carolina and Syracuse earlier in the day. And I got like five minutes in and I was like, this feels dead. Like I can't do this. I don't think I can do this. You're talking about college football. Yeah. Because there's that nobody in the stadium. It would not excite me. Just just from the team standpoint. I mean it's yeah. early game window. It is what it is, but there's like nobody in the stadium. Yeah, there's nobody in the stadium. Again, I think that uh, that's why I think basketball has has done it the best so far because they're pumping in crowd noise and it doesn't. And it's like such a small space to court that it doesn't really detract anything from the action going on. Because uh, like I would watch those guys play a pickup game anyway. Yeah, because basketball is just way more dynamic. You mentioned speaking of that, um, how, how do y'all feel about crowd noise? I'm like on the fence about it. I'm fine with it now. I, I mean, when the, do it. Yeah, like when the pandemic's over, like I would rather they never pump in crowd noise again. But like, I'm <laughs> fine with it right now. I, I hated it in the uh, Edge Norton match. Oh well, yeah. In the in wrestling, I don't think it worked. Yeah, it was very disingenuous in, in wrestling. Where it's like I I probably wouldn't have reacted to that spot. Yeah, like, in the Thunderdome, it's a little bit better. But when they were in the PC. It's like, come on, there's no way those 50 or 100 people are making that much noise. Like, yeah, don't and insult the, us. Yeah, in the Thunderdome, it's a little better. But yeah, in the PC, it, it just didn't feel natural. I also had a problem in the PC um, where they would show uh, the, the ceiling of the PC. Oh, with the fan? You would like fan. one ceiling fan. And it's like, <laughs> like what is this? Like, yeah. you're a billion-dollar company. Like, the stuff this company chooses to do with their money and then what they choose not to do with their money is consistently baffling. Very true. Like you've got all One thing that they've like done is graphic, but you're not going to like CGI out the fans on the or just like manually take them out. Why do you need them? True. True. The one thing they've done dope Thunderdome that I hope they continue is the uh the drone the drone film and the entrances. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Adds a different element. Yeah, and it just proves they do they know how to produce quality live TV, which makes them being in the PC that long and not adapting frustrating in retrospect. Yeah, I know NXT is still in the Performance Center or you know in their, their normal spot. <laughs> yeah, but which is fine. It works for them, for me at least. Yeah, but it's going to come to a head soon because now AEW's got fans back to some degree, and it does make a difference. Like you know, they, they when Matt Hardy came out to give a speech this week, and you had a whole crowd of people able to react to him. You know, even if it was at like you know thirty percent capacity or whatever, like you can tell, it, you could tell, but it makes a difference. Especially like if our fans sing Judas, you can you can tell there's a presence there now, which makes it sound better for live TV. Yeah. yeah. Now there, there, there's all these rumors that NXT is going to move to Tuesdays, or that you know that's at least like an idea. God, I hope so. Yep. And that seems like a perfect place to start. So we're going to go ahead and hit record. I'll do the intro. I thought we'll we just, have been recording. We yeah, I thought we've been recording. We, we've been recording, but we haven't given it an official start. Oh, okay. I, saying, I, see, I see open. the light. I see the light. But... We, we did a cold open, basically. Man, <laughs> Jacob has done that to me before when I came on here. He was talking <laughs> a lot of shit about something I can't remember, but it was like a very heated rant, and I didn't know we were recording. But um, You compared... Um, <laughs> what'd you compare him to? Uh, damn it. Uh, Rich Holland, you called oh, yeah. him... <laughs> <laughs> I forgot you called him the UK Mojo Raleigh one week, and then you're like, "Oh no, no, he's like a diet fit Finley." And I was like, "You can't clean that up. That's offensive now because you compared him to Mojo Raleigh the week." Before. I don't think that's disrespectful at all, man. I, I really don't. Have you seen him since? 
Have you, okay, it's a yes or no. Have you seen them since? That's besides the point. Anyways, all right. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Believe in NXT podcast. As you can tell, we've been going on for a couple of minutes, getting a few jokes in, talking about a couple of things. And per usual, you should recognize two of these voices. I'm your host, Jacob Lawrence. The other voice you should recognize is my co-host, Mr. Cedric Welton. And today, we have a very, very special guest joining us today, Mr. Vin Forte, the mighty Vin of WrestleRap fame and countless other places, apparently because the man's resume is deep, according to Sparks. So, mighty Vin, how are you doing today, sir? (laughs) Good, good. Yeah, definitely excited to talk wrestling. Good. We're glad to have you here. We appreciate you joining us today. We love it when we get podcast royalty in our in our presence. Exactly. Oh God. <laughs> like we're just little scrubs so here. Weird. I'm always like not weirded out. I appreciate it. But like whenever I go on a podcast and people are like, Yeah, like I really like wrestle rap, I'm like, oh, people are listening. That's so weird. Like sometimes you can't gauge it because like we get like we do like admittedly pretty good like numbers wise and like we carve out a nice little niche for ourselves but it's hard to really like gauge sometimes like who's listening what the reaction is like what gets people going like we try and uh, like we try and gauge those things like a week to week and month to month basis especially Mm -hmm. this past year and and it's very interesting like what people respond to because we've had episodes where where we think like oh this is huge people are gonna love this and then, like, they just don't respond to a specific guest. And then, like, the next week we'll do an episode where it's just me and Sparks. And, like, that episode will do, like, twice the amount of downloads. What? Like, like this makes no sense. But I guess that means, like, people are coming for us. I guess that, that's a compliment. We'll, we'll take it. That's what I come for. Because I remember my introduction to you, Vin, was when Sparks basically fell off the face of the earth. They had to come find out who <laughs> worked for the E. I was like, yeah. who's Vin? Because I was used to Kaz and Sparks and then just Sparks. And it's like, oh, hi, I'm the Mighty Vin. I'm filling in for a couple of weeks, which became Moss. And I was like, cool. <laughs> it's like, huh. All right, my podcast changed. But hey, I enjoyed it with you, Vin. I will admit, you are great. You and Sparks are a great duo. Me and Sid, we look up to you. We look up to Andreas and Kel, Jeff. And we try to oh, just take you. as much from everybody that's been doing this longer than us that has been nice enough to come join us. We, we try to look up to you guys and appreciate you giving you your credit and just try to take notes and hopefully one day reach all's level. Oh, thank you. But yeah, I, I think what, what me and Emilio try and do is, you know, we treat our show as it should in the sense that, you know, we try and run a professional ship because we hear too many podcasts that are very sort of not fly by night, but are very, there are a lot of podcasts that are doing the same thing. And we we don't want to do that. Like we actively sort of make it a point that like okay we don't do. And this is not a knock on anyone that does. Uh, certainly, like it's all about how you do something. But just for just for us, we make it a point never to uh, do recap, straight up recap, because we feel that like people are coming to us for uh, for discussion and sort of going through step by step. Like okay, here's this match, and now. You know, during this match, Becky Lynch did this, and then Sasha Banks hit her with one of these. Like, that gets old very quickly. Like, you have to go in, like, thinking that, like, okay, what do people want to hear about? Like, what are the, like, takeaways from the week? So, like, when when I hear something that's, like, really popping off that people are talking about, like, I'll text Emilio, like, hey, put this in your pocket, and, like, let's keep it for this. And then, or, like, he'll think about something. And then by the time, you know, we usually record on Wednesdays, usually when Wednesday comes around, we've got like four or five big topics that we both like want to talk about. So it's not a matter of, 
oh, hey, we have to talk about this. And here's the lineup that we have to talk about. It's, right. hey, we've got five topics that we already know we can hit a home run on. Okay. And like, and like that, would be, that would be my sort of like, you know, who the hell am I? But like, that would be my sort of advice to, to anyone listening who's like trying to start a podcast on any like one specific topic. Hey, giving us the knowledge already. I love that. Coming right out the gate with it. <laughs> we didn't have to we even get to the end of the podcast, but that came within the first five minutes. Like, Normally <laughs> say that for the end, but all right, Ben starting off just dropping knowledge and bars Eaters. for us. Eaters. So we were talking about before we officially start the podcast about NXT and AEW, how AEW has fans back. Daily's place, I think, can hold like seventy five hundred people, maybe five thousand people at full capacity. So you got a few thousand fans in there. And you can tell it's made a difference. You may mention the Matt Hardy promo, but yet WWE seems reluctant to bring back fans. Why do you feel so like with that? Well, I think they don't want to uh, do anything half-assed. I think they want to, they want that first big shit. Cause like, it's nice that AEW has fans now. It mm-hmm. certainly makes the product seem more lively. I'm glad they're doing it and they're doing it in a safe way. But I think Vince McMahon would rather like the, I think he's looking at it as, okay, they have fans in the stands right now, but hey, when we have fans in the stand, it's going to blow everything away because we're actually going to have everyone in. Now they've got the Thunderdome going on right now, which admittedly is a very interesting idea. Uh, it certainly is better than the, than the Performance Center just because <laughs> it allows you to have a bigger space available to you and it allows you to have people on screens. Um, obviously that has been corrupted pretty much immediately with people showing like ISIS beheadings and Chris Benoit and like KKK hoods and all sorts of awful stuff. But, uh, that's really shame on them because I don't know why they're not monitoring that. In fact, we had, we did an episode of WrestleRap a couple weeks ago where Emilio swore to me up and down. Ah, I've worked at the, e. I know like if you, if you think, if you don't think they've got people monitoring that thing, you know, day and night while it's on the air, like you're fooling yourself. And it's like, okay. And then a week later, like, <laughs> it's like, well, I guess no one was watching. And he was shocked. He was like, I don't know what, I don't know why they weren't watching it. It's like, it's like, I don't know either. I can't answer that one. Why aren't they watching it? Like you're telling me the WWE can't pay, uh, you know, a, a handful of people to just watch like four or five screens each, make sure that if they see something weird going on, they cut it off and throw someone new on the screen. Yeah, I mean, man. They're, they're, they're a billion-dollar company. They've got more money than they'll ever know what to do with this year alone, and they've released the most talent they've ever released. They released 60 people this past week, and we're just now like finding out who some of them are. I didn't see that one. Who yeah, who got um, released? I think uh, uh, Gerald Briscoe was released. IRS got released. Mike Rotonda, Bray, and yeah. Bo Dallas' he, dad. He got released. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, AOP got released. Sarah Stock, uh, NXT trainer slash coach, got released. It's been mostly corporate from what I've seen, name-wise. I guess AOP was like the start of that release party. Yeah. But it's really just, wrong to call it that. But. but it just goes to show, like, people need to get this through their heads. When you work for a company, always assume that company can fire you at any moment. Yep. Like, just Literally. assume it. Just assume, like, if you can't, like, I know not everyone can have a backup plan or a trapdoor, but, like, always just keep it in the back of your mind that, like, you could be gone at any time. Because WWE, for all their talk 
especially the past like six or seven years of all, oh, you know, we're the WWE universe. You know, we treat our, 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 our wrestlers like family. They're part of the team. It can all go away in an instant. And it's all just because they want it to go away because there's no reason they had to let anyone. And if, and if anyone thinks they, you know, oh, well, you know, there's a pandemic going on. What are you saying? <laughs> the numbers don't lie. As Scott Steiner would say. Ooh, we got some Steiner math coming. Steiner math. Yeah, the numbers don't lie. They they didn't have to release sixty nine percent of whatever. Um, but the numbers don't lie. This is you know they're making money hand over fist. They're not they're saving money because they're not traveling and setting up shows every. You know they were doing shows from the port there. Now they're doing it. You know basically in an arena nearby. Still not going. You know they they could have kept people around. You know why is it that Ring of Honor could still somehow keep. But WWE somehow can't find the money in the couch cushion to, <laughs> to pay people. Uh, let me be devil's advocate. This might be the only time I defend current you know, Ring of Honor because their product has been very meh lately, especially since the unofficial split with um, New Japan. Sinclair is my only reasoning. And I feel like Sinclair doesn't put money toward Ring of Honor, but Sinclair is a multi-billion dollar industry that controls a huge chunk of cable networks, mainly the Fox ones. Yeah, but also, then how do you explain Ring of Honor never updating their production? Like, Ring of Honor for the past 10 years has looked like it's been filmed uh, in a in a casket. Like, it just, like, their production is awful. Like, MLW right out of the gate had way better production than Ring of Honor. Well, that's fair. Very fair point. I think Sinclair just forgets that they have Ring of Honor on the books until they open up the books every quarter. Yeah, that's probably true. And also, Court Bauer coming from the E, I think Court has a better understanding of how to execute TV. Because I'm really trying to figure out who runs Ring of Honor that is actually like with it. It's what's been my problem for all these years of watching Ring of, Ring of Honor off and on. So you have the talent, you have the storylines, you have the Summer Punk, you had Owens, you have the Bullet Club, you have all these great things, but you can never make it work where you feel like it should work because even impact and TNA managed to stay out of their way long enough to make it work for bits. Yeah. I mean, I, in a way, the Sinclair deal might've doomed ring of honor to just be a niche, you know, again, say what you will about TNA or impact or whatever they're calling it. This they've always consistently at least had the pretense of, Oh, you have to watch our TV. Like, okay. Every, you know, Thursday or whatever, like we've got a new TV show ready to go. Meanwhile, ring of honor, like, because it's syndicated, it's on in different times, in different states. Some states don't carry it because they don't have a Sinclair network. And it was just this, and just like the way they taped it felt like a little too old school, where it's like, hey, here's a collection of matches. And like, we may give you a, an idea of like what the storyline is going into our next like pay per view or like big event. But n- their shows never really felt like, or their TV product never really felt like it had this cohesion. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Because I know for me, Ring of Honor comes on like 11.30, 11.05, like after local news, after whatever's airing on Fox, then on a Saturday, you'll get Ring of Honor. Yeah, exactly. On like Saturday night or like Sunday afternoon at three o'clock, you'll catch Ring of Honor. Yes. I fell asleep and woke up and was like, oh, this is on my TV. Okay. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Like even Impact is on and like, you know, what, eight, nine o'clock on a Tuesday. Yeah. They have a set yeah. spot. Yeah. Like, so it's almost, again, it's almost like the deal with Sinclair saved them in the short term, but in the long term, if they weren't with Sinclair, maybe they could have also gotten a deal with like a steady cable company like Impact has or had. 
Pikeley, true. But um, to bring it back to the uh, Thunderdome and the fans and the whole, yeah, there should be somebody monitoring it because, like you said, you're a billion-dollar company. You literally have money at your disposal. So is that a knock on WWE? Like, is it an oversight? Do they just not care enough because they feel like it all blends in and bleeds together almost? I don't know. I think, they're, I think WWE flies by the seat of their pants more than they would like people <laughs> to believe. Um, and, I mean, you see that it, it's evident in the product they put out. And every once in a while, you'll get a good long-term storyline. But, you know, you always hear stories constantly about shows being rewritten while the show is going on and, you know, who's vetoing what at the last second. And to swing it back around to NXT... I think the reason that NXT has fallen off a bit of a cliff lately is because when it was just an hour, you know, screw it. It could even have still been two hours, but the fact that it was pre-taped and on the network meant that they had to figure out the next month or so of programming ahead of time and knew that it was going to work over at least a four-week period. Now they don't do that. Now they can't do, you know, it's not a surprise that, AEW did a couple weeks of Bash the Beach, and then that same week, uh, NXT did the Great American Bash, where they weren't directly competing with AEW. They would have just kept doing their own thing, and whatever plan they had would have just kept going, and you wouldn't have had all these bumps in the road. Like They've had good programs, but they've been interrupted in the past couple months by varying degrees of trying to juice ratings by bringing people in from Raw or SmackDown, from having to change programming to compete with something that AEW announced, to uh, having to change things because of the pandemic. You know, there's a lot of factors that, and only that last one is really one that they can't control. You know, more often than not, it's really been them trying to compete with AEW. And we're seeing it, you know, the past week or, or two weeks, that when they're on different nights, everyone kind of wins. Like NXT's had some of their biggest ratings ever by just moving to Tuesday. And AEW's had some of their biggest ratings ever by just staying on Wednesday without competition. Now, the question then becomes, does Vince McMahon want to swallow his pride and just and accept higher ratings and move to Tuesday? Or go, no, 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 we're, we're doing this for a reason. And that reason is to specifically cut into AEW's ratings even if it's at the cost of our own ratings with NXT. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think it's a toss up. I think with NXT moving to Tuesdays, I could totally see them sticking on Wednesday. I think the pride is too deep there. Yeah. So let's talk about it because you say, is it a Vince issue? One, it probably is going to be Vince's call, but also how much of a USA issue does USA look at what they get from NXT compared to what they're paying WWE for NXT, what they're getting off of ads on Wednesday nights? Do they look at it and they go, Hey Vince, give me this on another night. Right. I think, I, I mean, I don't know what they're thinking, but I think, I think if they were smart, they would move it to Tuesdays because they would have a whole night to program by themselves. Cause it's not like USA. It's not like this is a USA of 10 years ago where they had a bunch of shows like, yep. Yeah, burn notice, uh, burn notice, blue shirts, royal pains, like all these shows that sort of like they did establish. This is the USA Network that now just does a bunch of Law and Order reruns (laughs) and like Wipeout, and And Chrisley knows best. And Chrisley knows best. Well, if Chrisley knows best, he's going to move NXT to Tuesday night. Yeah. So yeah, that's my like. How much pull does USA have? Because allegedly, the twenty four seven title was a USA thing. So. 
How and many the US, and 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 the, and the 24 ti- 24 7 title is very interesting because it it almost worked. They didn't commit to it as much. Like the 24 7 title was working for a little while, like almost like beyond anyone's wildest expectations for like the first month and a half. Like they were doing all these vignettes online that they were incorporating into the show. Like Jinder Mahal would like pin someone like sleeping on a plane. And then like he'd run in the bathroom and someone would like knock the bathroom in. And like, like they were doing all these like creative things that you kind of would see with the hardcore title back in the attitude era. And it really caught a lot of people's attention. And now like you really don't see anything going on with the 24 seven title. Like, I mean, I guess you do a little bit, but not I don't like know. It used I, to be. It doesn't feel like it has the same heights that it used to have. Like, but, uh, but like, like, think about that. But like, that's you just hit on exactly the point I'm trying to make, which is the fact that we're reminiscing about the heights of the 24 seven title. <laughs> Man, <laughs> yeah. that's rough. That's, that's rough. rough. Yeah. That's like, wow, what? How low have they fallen? We must be star for entertainment. We up here discussing Let's see how old this belt is, real quick. <laughs> that came out this year. Didn't it come out this year? No, it came out last year. I think. I think it was last year. So help me God if it was 2018. It may have been, which just really tells you how long. long I don't think it's been that long. 20 years. Has it been? Let's see. I'm searching for it right now. You're absolutely right. With with everything they were doing earlier this year, with the golf courses, even when Riddick Moss had the title and he got pinned doing his afternoon jog and stuff like that, the more it helped to have the social media engagement for the title. And I thought when I bought in thinking, we're going to get more of that. We're going to have more of this. Hey, you got to see what happens with 24 seven title on, on Twitter and IG and stuff like that. And then they stopped doing it. Cause now I feel like we have a weekly match on raw and it's, that defeats the whole purpose of the 24 seven title. Yeah. Like no 24 yeah. seven title rules. And it's been around since May 20th of last year. Okay. So a little over here. Well, cause here, cause, and, and that's interesting. The thought that like, Oh, how long has this title been around? Because I was just talking to someone the other day that, um, it was over a year ago when they came out and said, like, oh, we need to refresh, we need to like hit the reset button and like refresh this whole thing. <laughs> and that's when they brought up, uh, you know, like E3 and uh, like DIY for a hot second. I was talking about the, uh, when they actually first brought in EC3 heavy machinery, Lacey Evans and uh, yeah. 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 Those that six packages. Pack. Yeah, and they were like, and they were like, "You are the, you are the, the controller now." Like the WWE universe will make the call on what is popular, and then they, and then they made Shane McMahon the best. (sighs) You know what? That was bad, but the long-term storytelling there still bad. I can't believe I I can't I can't believe I'm about to cape for Shane McMahon because I I hate his matches. But the long-term storytelling there with with the Miz was kind of worth it in a sense. I mean. Was it really that much that much worth it though to see like Mrs. Dad do a weird? Yes, those memes made it worth it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I feel like the storytelling there. They they really let things simmer for a long time, and I, and I know they did there. Even though if it was painful to watch, uh, I guess the payoff was cool. We, and then it got rid of Shane Man for a while. How, how do you feel about him being back in this Raw Underground stuff? Okay, Raw Underground is not bad. I think that there's something there. It's just, I don't know what the end game is. Like, I don't like, okay. So if you're the top dog in raw underground, what does that mean? Like you get a title shot on, on the actual raw or like, 
there's there going to be a Raw Underground like tournaments. Like, I don't get what the like. I like the idea of this sort of more hard hitting, like almost like an American Strong Style kind of angle they're going with it. And it's like underground and we're and sort of no rules, just get in and beat the crap out of someone. Because honestly, we need more of that on the main roster. We need more. Um, honestly, we need more like jobbers. Like there needs to be more matches that build up top guys that don't also come at the expense of people who are working their way up the mid card. Like if you have Bobby Lashley, uh, you can have like if this were the '90s, even in the Attitude Era, they would just feed jobbers to Bobby Lashley for weeks and then put him in a feud with someone who's a little more well known, who's actually on the roster. Whereas now. They'll just one week bring out Bobby Lashley and have him murder Ricochet. And it's like, well, what is that? To, like, that does nothing for Ricochet. And frankly, it does nothing for Bobby Lashley because, like, we already know Bobby Lashley is a big, strong guy. Like, it wasn't that far-fetched to think, like, oh, he could beat the, the crap out of someone Rick's size. But now you've just completely sandbagged Ricochet because you haven't, because you didn't let him get any offense. Yeah, see, I think NXT has... Well, they were recently figured out that, hey, we should probably use jobbers. And they have a collection that means said have deemed the black jobber elite of Tahuti Miles, who got rebranded this week as something Adonis. Uh, you say his name right. Say his name right. No, no, you can say it. Go say right ahead. Say his name right. Go ahead. I'm not calling the girl man Ashanti the Adonis. Ashanti, we're going to get the drops too. Ashanti the Adonis. I'm not calling a girl man that. He's Adonis. Uh, Leon Ruff, and there was like a couple other. There was like the Black Steiner brother. NXT has it right, and then they stop using it, which uh, I can't figure out why. David Dejourne, David Dejourne, some Dejourne, something some, like that. Yeah, but bring a good point. Like you should have jobbers and you should have squash matches because that way you're not killing your roster. Like you said, Ricochet, which a lot of people forget, challenged for the WWE title like a year ago. In a couple months, it'd be about a year since that Saudi show. Got killed in 30 seconds, but he was a contender to Brock. Now right. he's just and out here getting beat up every week. Right. And the trick is like, okay, you can have him lose to Brock, but like you have to also make him look strong after that. Like you can make someone look strong in defeat. Absolutely. But they but I don't think they did that with Ricochet. Like it just it saddens me that, you know, in the case of Ricochet, you bring in someone who had like so much hype behind him, and then you you've now killed that hype. Like, like his, I, I don't think that, that anyone's truly buried. I think that, you know, at one point, I believe Ricochet had the U.S. title or was, like, in that realm in the company. Like, that's, had it. Like, that's, it. like, that's, yeah, like, that's great. Like, he can fight, like, you could have had a whole long program of him fighting for the U.S. title, winning it back, trading it between someone. Like, I'm not opposed to someone trading titles back and forth. They used to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's the fact that it feels so unplanned where like, oh, one week, uh, almost just to appease fans of Ricochet, we'll give him the title. But then like two weeks from now, he's going to lose it to Rey Mysterio. And then like, maybe they'll have one more match. But like, now we're just going to not really do anything. Like eventually it's just going to peter out. We're just not going to do anything. And now he's on main event. Yeah. To play devil's advocate. Go ahead. We're talking about jobbers and... I'm an advocate for jobbers, but let's look like look how at how AEW does it. How they, I think the most recent case is like Brian Cage or Lance Archer, where they go on these squash matches and build the rankings up, but then the rankings are like so obsolete; they don't mean anything. 
Well, that's that's their fault for trying to introduce a rank. I think that was a big mistake. I know they're like, well, you know, it's gonna it's gonna all work out because we reset the rankings every year. It's like, yeah, but I, that, that still doesn't account for people that show up later in the year. Like, like how does that? I don't know. Like, there's no quality way to get a clear, win. Yeah, yeah the quality of the win. There's no way to like get a clear rankings. Like, just use like we're not dumb. <laughs> just use good old fashioned wrestling logic. If someone's on a hot. Sh- Okay, it's believable then that they can get a title shot. If someone just came into the company, but they made a really big imposing statement, like a Miro, for you know, maybe they get a maybe they get a chance right out of the game. Like there are different ways, you know, there's multiple ways to skin a cat. Like you don't need to have a ranking system that is like the UFC or something. And like the UFC barely uses a ranking. Yeah. Like I guess they do, but like you know that the person who is going to sell the most tickets is getting the title shots in the UFC. Like, it's all based on Dana White. He's as much of a carnival guy as anyone else. Yeah. Speaking of UFC, that's exactly what I think Raw Underground is. And you mentioned, like, what's the payoff for Raw Underground? And I hate that I'm going to mirror this, but it could be something like a, a BMF title. could be something similar to that. They introduce another title just for Raw Underground. But the thing I... That I'm not, I don't care for that whole hour every single week, but I do like that it's helping put over guys that can't put over themselves in like a traditional wrestling match, like your Jessamine Dukes, Marina Shafir, Arturo Ross, those those type of guys, even Riddick Moss. It's helping establish those guys as names in that world because they can't do it in a traditional wrestling match yet. Yeah, yeah. but here's the problem. Well, the what problem- happens in two months? are next week because they tend to fly by the seat of their pants when Raw Underground is done and finito. Then what are you going to do with Duke, Shafir, Rujas? I think you built them up long enough to when you know Ronda is going to return. Okay, that's those two. What about everybody else? What about Rujas? What about... I can't tell you shit about... uh, What's my man's name now? Uh, What about the tall African? Dabakote? Yeah, Yeah, I can't tell you nothing about that. He used to be Babatunde. I don't know. I don't know why they decided to go with that. They just probably wanted to build a new, new big guy, a uh, big monster. And it looks like who is he about to get the smoke with? He went and attacked uh, two people last week, and it was Owens and uh, Alistair. So apparently, he's heading for a feud with Kevin Owens right now. Right. Which I don't know how that benefits Kevin Owens. I don't know. Maybe the roster is just yeah. I think that's which, what it is. Maybe it's just too big and it like. Is. Because if they had, okay, here's the thing, and I've tried making this point before, and I don't know if it, it's, it could be correct, it could not, um, but it is something to think about. That So you've got this big roster of talent that they've built up, buying up everyone. So that means that one week they can throw a Ricochet out there, and the next week they can go, you know what, I don't think Ricochet is working. Pull Ricochet back, let's throw Alistair Black out there. Two weeks go you know what? I don't think Alistair Black is working. Let's stop pulling the trigger on him. Let's try Umberto Carrillo. And then you, and then two weeks later, you go, I don't like Umberto Carrillo anymore. Uh, let's throw uh, someone else out. There. Like, yeah, let's throw Rey Mysterio out there. He'll return. And they can just keep cycling guys out. Whereas if they had less guys, they would have to work with what they have. And you would have to invest a little more time into these guys. Like if if your mid card was just like Umberto Carrillo, Ricochet, Rey Mysterio, and uh, you know Alistair Black, and no one else on Raw, you would have to be like, well, you know what? Let's push Umberto Carrillo. Let's give him a title. Let's see what happens. Let's invest a, a month or two into this guy. Uh, you know, instead of just cycling guys out as quickly as they can. Yeah, you kind of the problem there. Go ahead, Jacob. 
Yeah, you're kind of forced to have to try and fail versus, yeah, you have to commit to it. You're like, all right, stuck with you. Let's give this a month round versus, oh, I got a bad reaction from the crowd this week. They didn't react how we want it. You're gone. Yeah, I think, and speaking of that, I think it's the funniest thing in the world that they finally turn Roman heel and there's no fans in the crowd. Best time to do it. We'll get to that in a bit, but go ahead and say it. I was going to say, I agree. And I think part of the problem is the call-ups. Is Vince wanting this shiny new toy? We've established since last Survivor Series that NXT is the third brand, and they should keep it that way. He can't keep tugging on this talent to come to Raw and SmackDown and get lost in the sauce when you can really just establish a third brand and have, like, I don't think Ricochet should ever got caught, caught up. Same with EC3. Uh, these guys could have always cooked. I think Garza should still be in NXT competing for the Cruiserweight title. If they would have just stayed with that, then you have some some level of variance in all three brands where you have your established talents here and all these storylines, but you can also have these uh, WrestleMania-worthy storylines right here in NXT. I think that's the biggest problem. Yeah. Yeah, but... I really don't call it a main roster call up anymore. It's like a lateral move. You're literally just changing shows. Like you're just driving from one side of town to the other now if you're going from NXT to Raw or SmackDown. But they do nothing with them. Like, yeah, that's the problem. Shannon Baszler's in a tag team. Bianca Belair is doing nothing but sewing her husband's pants still. Like you have these big time. Mandy Rose just moved to Raw for no reason. Raw is deep. You, you buying Mandy Rose versus Oscar? In 30 seconds, yes. Saying like they're not, it's like they don't use their talent where they are. Um, and a, a big thing on Twitter after yesterday when Nikki Cross got the title um, shot is like Naomi literally pinned Bailey two weeks ago. Wasn't even yeah. a fatal four match. What are we doing? People are backstage just chilling. Don't use them. Yeah, I mean it's it is what it is. Like they're they're a big company. They're gonna do what they want. Um, my policy has always been I'm very clear about this on Wrestle Rap that I will watch what I want to watch when they give me a reason to watch. There's no reason to watch. I'm not going to watch. And I would recommend other people do the exact same thing because something I'm sick of is, and I'm not talking about people who have shows where they review Raw and SmackDown because you're doing a show, you have to check everything out. But just in terms of the average person, I am done, absolutely done with people complaining that they can't watch Raw every week and then they watch Raw every week. It's like, well, what? Like, you, like if you hate this show, like, I wouldn't eat a meal that someone gave me and go, this is the worst meal I've ever had. Like, it's so gross. I'm going to vomit. And then the next week, go back to that restaurant and just, like, keep going back every week just to be fed shit. Like, it, 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 but if I, if I heard out of nowhere one week that, oh, you know that restaurant that got you sick all those weeks? Well, they changed owners and they got a new chef and now it's delicious again. I would probably go like, oh, okay, let me check it out. Oh, God, this is delicious now. Now I'm going to come here every week until, you know, the food makes me sick again. Well, they're trying. Um, I mean, Andrew's Raw Underground, we've got your thoughts on that. We saw, you. I know you said you're not a SmackDown viewer, but have you been following the Retribution angle? Because me and Jacob have talked and we've seen how, saw how fast they pulled Retribution off of Fox. Yeah, they pulled Retribution off of Fox. I, I'm curious if that's a Fox call. Like if they like if they know something we don't that like oh maybe this angle was a little too hot that like I don't know maybe because we've seen situations before where they do angles that look a little um, too close to reality. Daniel mm-hmm. Bryan choking. Uh, yeah, Daniel Bryan yeah. choking Justin the, Roberts. Um, yeah. Or um, Hassan. I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking more Muhammad Hassan 
and maybe like having this like massed group that at that I think they're trying to I don't know if this is a conscious choice. I doubt it is, but maybe like someone in the back was like, Hey, I'm hearing about all these groups uh, you know, uh doing like destroying property and you know, taking down statues. Like they want it to be like what the right thing Santis. That, right? that, that's totally where they got this from. Which is probably <laughs> why Fox was like, "Hey, get this off our network. We catch enough heat with Fox News." Yeah. Then the the execution was we saw everybody in the group was like five foot four, and now you're you're clearly <laughs> you clearly threw Dijakovic and Mia Yim, Chelsea Green in the group to add some height. Yeah. It's like- I, I I wish the best for Mia. I. I I feel like she she should uh, like her break should be coming real soon. You think she should be on SmackDown? I think so. I think she's very good. I think that she doesn't get enough credit for for how good she. Is. I think she. I like, think she has a very unique style that no one else, no other woman on the roster has had, at least as far as I can tell, uh, at least in a very long time. So I think they could really like do good. Like they could do an excellent job marketing her and and making her star sort of in way i believe that too just because and and raw is so talent heavy in the women's division that we're starting to see regurgitated feuds with bailey and i, I know the big payoff is banks versus bailey i don't know why people want it so bad there, she could have had her title reign's not bad but she's facing the same people over and over facing the same people over and over and like you said it's gonna lead to her versus sasha which in a vacuum yes that's that's logical that's where it should go but in the context of what we've seen if you've been following the product for the past couple of years is like nothing new. You know, these two have got, have gotten apart and gotten back together, you know, a few times. And it's not like, Oh, this is the first time this is happening. And it's going to be a really big deal when, when it goes down. I mean, it's not Again, It will be done. Well, they're both very, you know, very good pro wrestlers and they'll put out a great match, but I don't know. It's not going to hit the, in the same way that I think they want it. I just had an epiphany. Um, Jacob recorded us, unbeknownst to us. We talked about some of our debates. Ben, can you do me a favor? Can you, can you rank the four horsewomen? Oh, rank the four horsewomen. Total packages. In ring, my character. Stop, stop trying to sway his his rankings. Just let him rank. I'm, not, First I'm comes giving mind. him the qualifications. <laughs> I'm giving him the terms. What you need? Okay, so. Yo, we seriously have got to stop letting Mick Foley get into the studio. But nonetheless, when you hear that music, that can only mean one thing. We're going to put a nice little pause on things. Because we're, we're about to get into some real interesting and fun stuff with Mighty Van. As you just heard said, ask Vin to rank the four horsewomen. And we left you there on that note for a reason because it's called a tease. We got to have a reason for you to come back next week. So please, next Monday, we will be back with part two of the Mighty Vin where we discuss who... It's the best of the four horsewomen, plus plus so much more. I'm telling you, you're definitely going to want to check out part two because we get into representation, pandering, and a whole lot more. So again, shouts to Vin for taking that time to chop it up with us. Of course, shout out to Sid for being my co-host, for riding shotgun with me, holding things down. So please, go follow Vin on Twitter. He is at MightyVin on Twitter. And don't forget to follow the show that he hosts as well, which is Rassle Rap. That's at Rassle Rap on Twitter, W-R-A-S-S-L-E-R-A-P. Word to Emilio Sparks, who, of course, co-hosts Rassle Rap with Vin. So make sure you give Sparks a follow on Twitter as well. And also, while you're over there doing that, 
go ahead and go back into the archives and check out our two episodes with Sparks himself. Sparks was the first person to be nice enough to come join us on the Believe in NXT pod and talk a little pro wrestling. So shout out to Sparks again for that. The pod father, we appreciate you. And again, shout out to Vin for coming through, chopping up with us for a couple hours. That's been part one. You see, we kind of started a little weird, a little little non-traditional for, you know, what's normally believe in next episode because we're having such a great conversation that we sometimes you got to hit roll, record and let it roll. So, yeah, and also let us know, is Carl Winslow a top five black TV dad? Because clearly the answer is no, but my co-host, Mr. Cedric Welton, refuses to admit that he's wrong. So please tweet him at Sedge says that is C-E-W-D underscore S-A-Y-S on Twitter and tell him that he's wrong. And tell them that Jay Della sent you. That's at underscore Jay Della. And last but not least, don't forget to follow the Believe Podcast Network at Believe Podcast. Believe is spelled B-L-E-A-V. Podcast, all one word. Nice and simple. I'm going to shut up. The music is playing. It's been playing for a couple seconds now. It's time for me to go home. The go-home queue is shining. We will be back on Wednesday previewing NXT. You got a contender match on contender match. You got a women's battle roll, a men's contender eliminator gauntlet. We heading toward takeover. Got a lot to get into. So you'll see me and said, or you'll hear us right back in your ears coming through with that Wednesday preview in a couple days. So just sit back and relax. And don't worry, like I said, part two of Mighty Ben is coming next week. And if you thought part one was special, just wait until part two. Because woo, we get into it and we give you that quality content. So until then. We're out of here.